podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Views from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Jazz, the kingdom of jazz.com. Today's Tuesday, the 9th of October 2018. My name's Patrick Smith, and um, I guess we've taken a, a view from the bridge on the road. <laughs> uh, I'm away with work, which means I've had to bring the laptop, the setup, all the way here to the sunny town of Whitehaven in West Cumbria. Fun fact for a view from the bridge fans, I used to live here, therefore a view from the bridge was recorded for here for a long time. But uh, this time, I'm sat in a hotel room. With a microphone talking to my mates on Skype, how things have changed. Uh, in which case, Mister David McJimsey, how are you? Um, I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to say hi. I'm just going to check the uh, social media policy first before, before I say anything tonight. <laughs> it's going to be a difficult night. Joel Neil, how are you? Good evening, Paddy. And uh, I'm just going to say off the bat that you're lucky. This is a nice hockey podcast because that means I can't bring up the. F- Fact that my Boston Red Sox absolutely. Simon Kitchen, how are you? Sixteen one last I'm night. Dead on it. I'm dead on it. I'm absolutely no, fine. No, no, base, no baseball chat. No baseball chat on this. Simon, you well? Yes, I'm great, mate. I mean, I, I can't believe the amount of cake we've talked literally before we started recording. But uh, everything is rosy in the garden. Good, good. I'll apologise right off the bat because the sound quality won't be up to our normal standards. We've had to go back to the uh, to study old Skype and. Um, well, we're going to bat our head and see how we get on. Um, lots to talk about in this show. We've got loads of interviews. We'll be talking to, well, how do you put it? Darcy, Boxy, Swinney and Keefe? No, Kiefer. <laughs> uh, we'll have the player of the month. We'll be looking at the games and we'll also be hearing from Aaron Murphy, Paul Dixon and Pete Russell. But let's start with the turnaround that's taken place with regards to the Belfast Giants. Three games this weekend. Three wins this weekend, and we start, of course, with the two games against Milton Keynes at home. The first one on Friday night, 5-1, was the victory for the Belfast Giants. The scoring was opened by Francis Bavier, uh, 16 minutes into the game. Uh, Milton Keynes hit back with uh, Golovkov. Just hold on. Golovkov's, come on, says. Golovkov. Golov, thanks, man. <laughs> he made it 1-1, but then it was all Giants. Kyle Bond, Jonathan Boxall, Patrick Dwyer. And Blair Riley rounding out the scoring at 5-1. And that's Tyler Beskarowani with the win, 29 saves off 30 shots. The other side, Patrick Killeen, 38 saves off 43 shots. Your referees were Stefan Hogarth and Matt Rose. will flick straight on to Saturday. And it was a 7-0 win for the Belfast Giants. Their first home shutout of this season. I'll just run through the scores. Darcy Murphy, Patrick Dwyer, Kyle Bond, Patrick Dwyer again, Kyle Bond, Darcy Murphy, Darcy Murphy, with his second hat-trick of the season. There's lots to talk about with regards to those goals, not least the goal that's went right around the world on social media, but we'll come to that in the discussions. Uh, Tyler Beskarowani in net with the win, 13 saves from 13, but he only lasted 40 minutes. In came Stephen Murphy for last 20, 9 from 9. The other side, it was also Patrick Killeen, 25 saves off 29 shots. And Adam Goss, 8 saves off 11 shots. Your referees, Andrew Dalton and Matt Rose. A, a good start to the weekend, Davey, for the Belfast Giants. 
Yeah, look, any time you come away with six points from from three games, and we're going to start talking about the first two. You know, you've you've had a decent weekend. Um, I think it's fair to say it probably took us twenty twenty five, maybe close to half an hour to really really get going in the game. It was still a bit bit semi from you know the, the rinse and repeat that we talked <laughs> about last week. You know, we didn't we didn't actually come out brilliantly, but once we got you know settled into the game, I think that fight that Jelly had. We talked about needing a spark, needing somebody to step up. Jelly's dropped their gloves are. He, he certainly didn't need coaxed into it either. Both parties had a good wee tug at each other before before they dropped them, and and there wasn't a single person in that arena. I think Simon mentions it on the on the webcast as well and on the commentary that there wasn't a single person using their seat during during that fight or certainly at the end of it. You know, and and that sparked a bit of atmosphere into the crowd. That's contagious all around, you know, and it's, it feeds the players and then the players feed the crowd and that, that then just got us going for the weekend and, you know, we, we jumped on from there and, and a few guys who have been, as as the old cliche, you know, gripping the stick or whatever too tight, I don't buy in that particularly, but guys that were a wee bit, you know, snake bitten, suddenly the, the goals and the opportunities that they make players just started, the, their players started to relax a wee bit into the game and, you know, as as the goals started flying over the weekend, you could see the team just just standing that wee bit taller. Joe, Davy mentions the the fight with Jelly. It just it sort of it it really did ignite the crowd. And it, maybe it was we talked last week and the week before that we were looking for something that sort of turned things around for the Belfast Giants, got things going. Was that the thing that sparked it? To me, well, I mean, it's obviously the simplistic approach to say that, um, but it's it's a, an easy narrative to take when you consider that the first 40 minutes, as Davey said there, um, I think that there was still a sense of urgency, um, the the mood of the team in that first two periods, and um, we didn't quite have the puck luck either, to be honest. You know, there was one massive, I think it was Josh Roach or Kyle Bond clapped one from the blue line, and it, it smacked the post and pretty much stopped dead. You know, there, there was a bit of a force field around the net, but um, that, that Gilly uh, fight against Derek Neal, that was just great for me you know it, it wasn't just that the fight happened itself um it was how Jelena looked like he was getting part of that fight he was just eating digs um and I I said this already but like I I think that I would maybe wasn't the only one that was expecting him to be taking a loss there you know maybe go down or, or just you know go for a jersey whatever else but to realize that he was biding his time for that uppercut and then he pulled himself up and over the top before both men fell down that was absolutely electric there's moments that you live for um so I mean after that then I mean the, the, the floodgates just opened um the big plus for me that night is that there are five different scorers on the sheet in a 5-1 win including Blair Riley who we've talked about before I think Riley's really came into his own this weekend. I think he's been, he was a much different player, um, both against MK and on the road in Coventry, where he, he scored again, and, and we'll get to that. Um, obviously, the, the only thing that took the shine off it was the injury to Sheds, as, as I'm sure we'll chat about, but uh, that game was the 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 element, the factor that, that we couldn't quite put our finger on um, that just happens and suddenly the tables turn. You know, you, you can prepare as much as you want. You can train as much as you want. Do this, do that. But sometimes it just happens on ice. Nobody's expecting it. And suddenly, boom, you're off. And to me, that's what that third period was. It was plain sailing after that. Do you agree with that, Simon? You know, the, when you look at it from those two games, Milton Keynes scored one goal and the Giants technically had 11 without response you know we we had to find that scoring touch and we found it yeah well it's, it's been common you know the can look back over the last couple of weeks before last weekend um you know the amount of times we outshot people david you'll know the, the exact stats but you know you, you've got teams there where we're i think it was 50 at five you were firing 
you know, 51 at Dundee. There's teams there that we were completely dominating with regards to possession, but we just weren't scoring. So it's good to say, you know, I, I think I mentioned it last week or the week before, we, I, it was just going to happen where we're going to try someone. And, you know, everybody will say Milton Keynes will probably end up down around the bottom of the league. It doesn't matter. You've still got to beat them. Um, you know, they're cold, tender, solid. They have a couple of D-men, which are, you know, decent enough as well. And they just couldn't get past Besco on, on Friday night. And, and then obviously, yeah, uh, Besco and Murph pull out that, uh, saved, or sorry, shared shot out on, um, Saturday night. But there's a lot of positives, um, in those two games against, uh, MK. You know, the, the, I mean, Darcy Murphy got going, you know, he got picked up a hat trick, um, on the second game. Kai Vaughan had three game, three goals. Uh, over the two games, uh, Patrick Dwyer three goals over two games, you know. So you've got guys there who, who are who just literally got going, and it's all stemming from Patrick Dwyer at the minute. The guy is just unbelievable. I know you got to see him in person on Sunday night, Paddy, and we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But you know, if you look at the again, I talked about positives there. We had eight power play opportunities over the two games, six goals. You know, it's that's that's top top notch. Um, so the, the guys are they're you know they're they're certainly putting the, the effort in last week in training, and it showed. Um, they turned up. Um, great to see Boxy getting the goal. You know, it's always near fourth line scores a goal. It's, uh, it's a big lift off the bench as well. So overall, um, the two games, Milton Keynes didn't put up much of a fight to be honest. Um, but I think that's because we. Well, and we stopped them playing. You know, we scored the first goal Friday night. They came back into it, but once we scored the second goal, I think it was Kyle Bond um, got the second goal um, with a power play, and then you know, third period, we, we just took off. So overall, I'm sure Adam's very, very happy with those first two games, and that then is in the Sunday. It's easy to say as well that the, those MK games, you know, the bottom of the league, they should be winnable games, whatever else. But let's not forget that the Lightning went out on their third in three days and beat the Nottingham Panthers at the weekend. So, I mean, going into that weekend, the way our psychology, the way our minds were, it would have been very easy for us to be that banana skins. You know what I mean? That's very true. Davey, you were talking to, um, well, we'll talk about this thing with with, um, with Colin Shields, a bit of an incident at the end that unfortunately put him in hospital. Yeah, terrible because um, you know you never like to see anyone getting hurt, and uh, it was pretty pretty nasty. Um, stick has caught him right on the eye, and you know, and then nicked him underneath the eye as well. You've seen, you've probably seen the pictures on Twitter, and we'll have a wee bit of a chat with him there about how he, how he's recovering and, and just the effect that the incident had on him. But yeah, really, really unfortunate. The D man for me, you know, he's not in control of his stick. It's one of those things where you're supposed to be and. The rule has slightly changed. Don't want to say too much about it because I, I obviously don't. I don't have. I haven't gone through all the leagues in the world yet. I've been <laughs> sent information that I will. I have promised the person who sent it that I will read and dissect before I make any further comment on on the the actual. The, the, you know the 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 I, the IHL have removed the sort of um, double minor for high sticking. In a sense, from the rulebook this season, but I will talk about that more on a further podcast when I've had time to go through, as I like to do, and, and really analyze the other rulebooks, like the NHS, NHL, NHS. ECHL, a, a, yeah, <laughs> their rulebook on high stack. I mean, I want to see some of stuff on it. The, the, the NHL. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Save our NHL. <laughs> Save the NHL, yeah. Gary, Gary Batman for uh, 
but, uh, yeah. um, so I'll go through all those rule books and, and um, we'll I'll talk to a few officials about uh, about exactly where the IHL are on that rule. But we're just glad from from Shed's point of view, it, it gives me a chance to to bring up the, the chat about the the full face cage game. Talk about that to Shed's journey interview show. Run the Let's go for it. Joined now by Colin Shields and, and Shed's a couple of minutes to go in the game. Probably would have been your last shift of the game on Friday night and bit of a, a bit of an incident where you've taken a, a pretty nasty high stick just under the eye there and maybe in fact in the eye and, and caused a lot of concern for everyone and, and no doubt pretty scary moment for yourself as well. Yeah, at the time it just seemed like a harmless play. It was sort of going to the back door there and Hookie tried to you know, make a pass across and uh, the player intercepted it and, and tried to clear the puck and maybe it was a slightly careless play on his part with the stick and, um, you know, I was reaching for the puck too and, and it, it got me literally right, either right in the eyeball or ricocheted off my, just under my eye and got me right in there but the stick went right in the eye and I've had, uh, you know, tons of sticks in the face in my career and uh, that was definitely a scary moment. I, you know, having a stick right in your eye and not really being sure of what is happening at the time. Or, and, you know, you just feel that pain like right in your eyeball or behind it or, and you don't know what, uh, what you're looking at. Well, you're not looking at, but what, what you're skating off the ice to, to be possibly walking into. I mean, uh, down on the ice, I, I just didn't really know what was going on and uh, maybe blacked out for a second. I just knew that that was in a lot of pain and, I knew it was bleeding for sure, and I couldn't open that eye. I couldn't feel anything, and it was just a matter of getting up and getting off the ice as quick as possible just in case, you know, the worst was was possibly happening. And, uh, you know, as I said, it could have been a lot worse and probably very fortunate right now to be sitting where I am right now. We're pretty fortunate we've got a, a, a real intense medical team that are on site and then obviously got you whipped off the hospital pretty quick and... Spent a spent a good part of the portion of the night in the eye hospital. There was that uh, wasn't the way you wanted your Friday night. The end, obviously, without goes without saying. But you know, a word for the the people that looked after you. Oh yeah, I mean the, the staff is unbelievable. Doc and Taff and, and you know Steve and the other medical and Shay, the other medical guys done there yeah. were were great. And and you know the eye was pretty much swollen shut instantly and. Um, you know, I'm sure I wasn't the most fun guy to be around at the time and, you know, not knowing what was going on and, and Claire was down there too with me and, uh, you know, Steve Thornton came down and, and was doing everything possible to make sure that uh, if, you know, the worst was going to happen, that, that, that sort of we're going to do everything we could to, to make sure that uh, we could do the things to try and, you know, make it the least possible worst case scenario. So, um, and then going to the hospital too, it was just completely swollen shut and the doc seemed pretty positive though that he, he, you know, I couldn't see anything out of there at the time and it was completely black and, um, that, as I said, was swollen completely shut. But, uh, after being in the hospital for a while and being a little groggy, obviously getting a stick right in the eye and probably concussion symptoms a little bit. Um, you know, the doctor managed to go see the eye specialist and, uh, you know, he was pretty confident. There was no sort of right off the bat. There was some damage there, um, in and sort of behind the eye, but mostly on the swelling kind of side of things, and not sort of anything that was going to be long term. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to get back in on Sunday morning uh, to the eye clinic again, and then uh, the follow up appointment sort of showed the same thing that there was no sort of 
long-term damage just sort of a lot of bruising in and behind the eyeball itself and uh it was a matter of time just to let that swelling subside and uh you know it was a big relief for us you know i wasn't really sure what was going to happen or where it was at and especially you know as a hockey player it's one of those things that you you sort of have as a risk going in but uh you don't ever think it's going to happen to you and it's one of those things happens once every you know, 10 years or whatever, and it never really happens to anybody. It's never happened to anyone I've played against or with, even in, you know, in a game as such. So, I mean, it's very, happens very rarely, but, uh, uh, you know, for myself, it's very, it's looking at myself very lucky to have a stick go in your eye like that and uh, not have any sort of potential long-term damage. We'll come back to the rarity of the injury in a wee minute, but we're sort of, you're four days post it now. It's, it's Tuesday night as we record this. You know, you are telling me earlier you managed to step out today with Richard Norman, just trying to slowly get back to a little bit of normality. How's, how's things feeling now, you know, you're three, four, five days down the line? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, a bit of adjustment, of course. I haven't really been out and about too much, and um, it's not like you can really do too much. As I said, the headaches are sort of coming and going, and um, there's a lot of pressure still on there, and and just sort of you're forcing yourself to open your eye there because it does get a lot of sort of soreness and pain. And when you try and move that eyeball around, it's, it's giving you a lot of kind of pain in there. And um, it's just one of those things you're trying not to do too much. And for someone like myself, I'm pretty busy, pretty active. And, you know, with the gym and stuff, I'm usually kind of always on the go. And then all of a sudden to not be allowed or not try not to do anything, it's, it's kind of frustrating, but at the same time, you're getting headaches and and pain. It's it's uh, kind of a double edged sword. You you want to do stuff, but at the same time, you don't want to. So it was good today. I managed to get out and about a little bit, take the dogs out, and um, try to like just get some fresh air, sweep some leaves up, and just to kind of get sort of moving again. But uh, we don't really have a timeline or anything like on when I'll be back or anything like that. It's just a matter of letting the swelling in and around the eye go down and then you know i haven't really done anything since friday so sort of you know seeing how it goes in the next couple of weeks and hopefully can i recover and let the headaches subside and then can i get back into it hopefully you and me had a very brief chat about this the other day and it's something that i get criticized and kudos for at different from different people about my opinion on face protection if you want to call it that full face cage deeper visor, whatever, you've already said it's a very, very rare incident. I can only remember really, um, Mace took a bad one two, three, four years ago. I remember Theo getting a pretty bad one as well. I can't really remember too many other incidents, guys having to wear the full face mask or whatever. Your opinion on it, well, I'll let you, your opinion on the full face cage versus the, the potential risk to your eyeball. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that happens very rarely, but uh, I guess if you look at, you know, if it happens one time, it's one time too many, you know, where a guy loses their eye or loses their sight or something like that. But, I mean, I think, I mean, 20 years from now, I think without question that everyone will be wearing a full face cage. I mean, if you look at 20 years ago, you know, hardly anyone was wearing a visor. 20 years before that, hardly men's wearing a helmet you know so i mean it's just it's one of those things which is a, a a step which shall be sort of a logical step but i do think it takes away from the game it does change the game a little bit i think if you know you watch the friendship four is great hockey but i think that you watch the players out there they are reckless with their sticks and 
um, you know, it's a different kind of game. And I, I think that, uh, you know, it takes away from a little bit, the I shouldn't say gentlemen, but more of the honor of the game a little bit where guys are just sort of aimlessly swinging their sticks around and um, turns it into a little bit more of a, I don't know, I can't even think of a sport that will be similar to that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I do think that eventually it will go to that, whether it's in 20 years, 30 years or more than that. But, um, you know, as I said, it's an unfortunate incident that, that did come up and I look at myself as very fortunate to get away very lucky. I mean, to, to have a stick come right in my eye like that. And, um, for whatever reason that, uh, I was, you know, lucky enough to not have any long-term jam damage. I'll sort of be very fortunate for, and, um, some sort of scary moment I'll look back on in years to come and be very thankful for. Well, as you say, maybe in the next 20 years or so, that that's something that might come and maybe just towards the tail end of your career then. Um, but, um, <laughs> With, with a game, well, well, good luck with that. With a, I don't know if that's something you're announcing there, but um, <laughs> no, um, not yet. <laughs> um, game tomorrow night against uh, Guildford on the TV. Are you gonna try and just tune in the the free sports? Or are you gonna pull the baseball cap down and get down to the SSA and watch a wee bit if you can? No, hopefully try and get out and about a little bit and uh, you know go down to the game and see how it is, see how it reacts. I mean, the first few days are you know any sort of light or movement or you know trying to look at your phone for too long or watch tv for too long was was causing headaches or causing problems so um i'm not sure how it'll be with the noise you know the lights but um you know maybe try and get down there a little bit and catch some of the game and uh you know but uh yeah it's good the game's on free sport and you know Aaron murphy and those guys and it's good to get more exposure to the you know the uk and across across sort of you know, all channels with the, with the game, and I was good, fortunate enough to watch Sis and Andrew Dixon on the game on Saturday, and then yeah, the guys in Coventry on Sunday. So you know, it was good to be able to follow the guys this weekend and get a couple other wins to follow up the game on Friday and sort of get on a roll here. We'll be looking to you know be supporting the guys no matter whether at home or at the rink. You know, tomorrow night, and then hopefully going into the weekend and uh, you know, a big game on Sunday. Well, Sis, we 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 wish you. Obviously, all the very, very best with your recovery, and we'll, and we'll keep in touch and, and keep dropping in on, on the podcast here while you're while you're recuperating and keep in touch with how you're getting on. Thanks, Dave. Thanks to Shez. We hope he's doing well. We hope seeing back on the ice pretty soon. Um, the highlights of the game, unless we have anything else in those games, lads. Any other comments with regards to the, the fact that we was it, we we scored twelve goals and conceded one. Yeah, um, thirteen, I, thirteen, I, 13 goals, thirty-seven and five. No. I think it's time to talk about Paddy Dwyer's goal. Oh, right, okay. No, it's not. Hold on. Oh, sorry, can I just jump in first of all? Because I thought there was a really good performance at the weekend and I didn't really get much exposure for it. I thought Kendall McFall was excellent Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I agree. Um, I you know, he spent the extra minutes with Jimbo. I, I, I watched a Sunday game as well, but it, it's different when you you know when you see him standing out more when you're watching you know, in person. Um, so it's difficult for uh, the comment when it's uh, on TV, I think. But Kenley McFall was excellent the weekend. He's picking up the more minutes he's playing with. Josh Roach uh, a lot more now as well. Um, with Jimbo stepping out of the lineup, and obviously Garside missing um, on Saturday night. It's uh, you know I thought he was I thought he really came into himself. It's probably his best game on Saturday night that I've seen him in a Belfast Giants uniform. 
one more thing to highlight before we talk about the hashtag uh, pants goal or butt goal or whatever you want to call it. Um, before Sheds took the injury, um, the unfortunate injury, um, the the move he made for Jonathan Boxel's goal on Friday night was the single most satisfying and enjoyable hockey play I've seen in the arena this season. It may not be the most spectacular, but there was a puck knocked from our zone out towards the left uh, the left wing in the neutral zone. Sheds was maybe, what, 15, 20 yards behind the Milton Keynes winger who chased that puck. He turned the jets on um, and he arrived at the puck at the same time. Um, it wasn't even a finish your check and take the man. He had the footwork to decelerate. He had the stick work to put it on that puck. And not only that, but he skated into that... that uh, the, the milking zone and put that pass to Jonathan Boxel tape to tape. It was one of those Colin Shields flashes of brilliance and for my money most entertaining single piece of hockey I've seen this season. Yeah, fair, fair point. Well made. The um so yeah let's let's come to the the goal that's went around the world. It's been on Sportsnet, it's been on TSN, it's been on e, it's ESPN the highlight it's been highlighted as uh, Patrick Dwyer as the best hockey player in the world this week. It's been on BBC, it's been on I've even had people at work come up to me and say that they've seen it. Uh, Patrick Dwyer was denied his hat trick goal on Saturday night due to a rules technicality. I I don't need to describe this goal to you because I think the world and his wife has seen it. It's quick thinking, it's funny, and uh, despite the fact that some some people have referred to it as cheating, ridiculously, <laughs> the uh, it was Joel very entertaining. Fantastic! Uh, I, I was down doing post game uh, just just afterwards, and uh, Neil Whiteside was down there with the laptop, and he already had the slow mo queued up, and there were people just ganging around him, including Patrick Dwyer, to see it again, and everybody was just rinsing themselves out. You know, it was one of those kind of incidental, bizarre, light hearted moments. Uh, it shows the puck awareness and and the hockey kind of mentality of Pat Dwyer, where something for the first time in his career easily happens to him and within a split second he thinks well I'll put myself in the goal and see what happens uh, I just I thought it was a, a wee bit of ingenuity and, and as you say you know after a tough couple of weeks it's lovely to to not only get the wins but have something like that uh, beam the EIHL around the world in a humorous positive kind of uh, throwaway light and 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 to, to get so many good reactions and so many people thinking it was brilliant um, absolutely no harm done to the game I mean uh, in, in terms of calling it cheating uh and <laughs> in, in that case then uh, a most basic slashing call a tripping call any sort of hit that you throw that you think is on the edge is cheating you know there are rule infractions that's very very different uh it, it does nothing to do with with yeah. the the esteem of the game that's it's just a whole different conversation let's let's talk about patty and and the the fantastic kind of response instead agreed um I was having a, a bit of a let's say an off the record chat before we started here with a current belfast giant who said that uh, he actually approached the referee uh, as he was deliberating and said, you need to give this goal because it's going to go around the world. It's not going to make an effect on the game. <laughs> Just give the goal. You'll be part of it. But he didn't give the goal. So, uh, David, your thoughts? I, look, I can see under the rules why it wasn't given. Um, the only, are you allowed to argument, you know, well, I'm, go- I'm going to. We'll see what happens. We're going to give um, Davy an actor's voice like Jerry Adams for the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> well, personally, that, that well, per- personally, I've never been involved in a podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm leaving that in. Go on, Demi. Um, 
as as far as the goal goes, you know, there's the out of sight rule, which is probably on the referee is intending the blow. I know Detroit at times have, have fell foul of that, you know, yeah. pucks across the line, the whistle goes after that. The referee was intending the blow as well. So you can see him putting the whistle up. He's lost sight of the puck. I think from that point of view, it's far enough. But we do have had sort of goals, especially goaltenders. There's three or four instances over the last few years where a goaltender has got a puck caught up in his equipment in behind the net, skidded around, pucks across the line, referee's blown, nobody knows where the puck is, and they've gone to TV and went, oh, he got cro- actually crossed the line. So um, there, there, it's a little grey area. I, I think it's far enough that it was scratched off, but it was, it was, yeah. it was nice. It was a nice little video to. to yeah. Just keep us out there at the in the uh, in the minds of people all over the world. And Simon Kitchen going global. <laughs> Simon Kitchen around the world, worldwide with Simon, the white Barry White. Simon Kitchen and Andrew Dixon going. That's a goal. That's a goal. Well, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> well, uh, probably it is a goal. No, it's not a goal. It's a goal. Goal. Shut up. I have to. I, I have to hand it to my good lady wife and the fact that she did suggest. You know, they couldn't. They can't give that because what would stop them picking up the puck in their own zone, putting it down the back of the shorts, and then jumping into the goal? I thought, well, it's a, it's a fair point, really. <laughs> but it has it, it rationality into this. <laughs> exactly. It's not being rational. It was a goal. It's my team. It's a goal. Deal with this. You know this. You know the rules. The, uh, uh, says you were the man behind the mic. You're the one whose voice has gone worldwide. Your response? I, I thought it was excellent. You know, I was really disappointed uh, that I had a chat with uh, um, Andy Dalton and um, uh, oh god, Stephen Hogarth. We call him oh Matt Rose, Matty Rose. After the game, like I'll probably get shouted that night by uh, the powers that be as well. But Joel was standing there. I didn't say anything untoward. But um, you know, I was asking him why, why was why did not be allowed? And um, and it, like you know, what they said about the um, getting out of sight and the whistle was late. The whistle certainly you know didn't blow until after he was into the net. And um, the conversation went down the lines of, well, what happens if it's a defenseman? Um, if it's stuck in his pants and he pushed into the net, or if it's if he slips and falls into the net, is it a goal? And I can't disclose the referee in question that said he didn't know the answer. Hmm. Well, so that was after the conversation. You can't really them for that. It's a bit of a, it's a unique scenario. Oh, absolutely. And again, I mean, at the time, obviously, you know, when when the shot comes and they got you're looking for the puck and trying to, you know, see where it's uh, dropping down. You usually, sort of pay attention to where the goalkeeper's looking, and when he's not looking anywhere, he's just looking all around him. Uh, I can't see anything. And then I seen, um, you know, Paddy basically just backing in the net. And I said, I, it's in his shirt. It's also in his shirt. But, you know, with, with Belfast Giants TV put that out, I don't think they envisaged anything like the uh, response that it obviously um, it came alongside it. And, you know, I think it was three. I looked at it earlier on today. 360,000 views um, on their Twitter from that post alone. Um, and then, as you say, Paddy, it's, it's literally went everywhere. Um, so it's great for the league. Um, some people, you know, are seeing the, the comment coming in that it's cheap and it's a lot of b- It's um, you know, Ray, it's, first, it's basically first people of the podcast. Thanks, sis. Another one. It's b- It's um, it's just <laughs> it's basically me, <laughs> Batman. Because uh, statistically, he's cracked. It is. It's I, I just can't today. That people are I trying can't to... be editing this much. Come on, boys, keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> overall, I thought it was you know I thought Paddy Dwyer. Was excellent all weekend, um, but it's just really disappointing that he didn't get a hat trick goal. 
with uh, the puck stuck on his pants. Sorry, stuck on his pants. The, uh, interesting, yeah. Just just as you were talking there, I had to go back to the comment that was made by the, the by the unnamed player, and he did say he went up to Stefan Hogarth and say, "Give the goal." I've just looked. You're right. Stefan Hogarth wasn't refereeing. I don't know who he thinks no, was refereeing. I don't know who he thinks was refereeing. Well, no, he thinks Stefan Hogarth. It was, Ro- it was Rose, Rose, and, Rose and, and Ali Dalton Saturday. Yeah. Dandy was Elton. there on Friday. He was, uh, yeah, and uh, and he also uh, did he referee? He refereed on. All right, I think he refereed on Sunday as well. But no, I think Sunday it's a, well, yeah. a, fa- a, fa- a fabulous piece of PR for the Belfast Giants, and uh, I know that they've been contacted left, right, and centre by by media outlets right across the world. And and uh, he, Patrick Dwyer highlighted himself as the Player of the Week from the Elite League. Nine points this weekend. You know, you you, you can't take away from that, and the fact that he's put this viral. This viral video out there with, with his actions, it's absolutely fantastic. Listen, we're going to move it on. Um, we're going to move it on to Sunday. If you want to see the highlights of the games from Belfast Giants TV, you can get them at kingdomofthegiants.com and we move on to Sunday. It's, it's not unfair to say that the, the Milton Keynes Lightning maybe aren't the greatest of tests at the moment. They, you saw what happened with them against the, uh, against the Cardiff Devils and, and the Giants really, Maybe had to show that they weren't just going through the motions with the fact that that's seven nothing and that and that five one win, and they did that. They went to the Coventry Blaze at the Sky Dome, where the Blaze had been pretty strong of late, and they walked out with a four two win. A great game for them. The scoring was open actually by Ben Lake, three twenty two into the game. But Darcy Murphy with yet another goal this weekend um, from. Surprise, surprise, an assist from Patrick Dwyer. Uh, only a couple of minutes later on the power play, Patrick Dwyer got a goal of his own. In the second period, six minutes into seven minutes into that, before uh, do you know what? How many uh, Nikolai Berehinsivin Berehinsivin <laughs> Nikolai Shevin is it? Is that how it is? Listen, mate, you're the one who's going to do it more, think, more yeah. often. You're the one who's doing it more often than I do. Uh, Parpay goal for the Coventry Blaze, despite the fact on that goal. And I'll say this right now: there was a there was a blatant too many men call because it came off the skate of a player who was coming off the ice. But play went on; they levelled it up. But the Giants were able to fight back. Uh, Blair Riley uh, with the goal 16 minutes into the second period, and then Kyle Bond, who seems to be scoring for fun these days, uh, but about a minute and 10 seconds later, rounded off the scoring in the second period for the Giants to win five two. Uh, man of the match: Tyler Beskarwani was brilliant in this game. 32 saves and 34 shots. On the other side, Copriva, 28 saves from 32 shots. And your two referees were Stefan Hogarth and Chris Wells, who followed me out of the car park. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with you. says, you know, the, the Giants had to basically, and like I said, you know, four points from four against Milton Keynes. And with all due respect, due respect to Milton Keynes, they're not going to be the test this year. The acid test is going to a place like Coventry who have been strong at home and taken the win, and that's exactly what the Belfast Giants did. 100% right. Um, you know, they they got a couple of good results at home in the last few weeks. Um, but I, th- I thought, again, especially being 3-3, three and three, um, you know, it, it's fatigue definitely does set in. Uh, you know, you've got, obviously, with the night before, you won 7-0, so he was running all four lines, um, giving guys, you know, that little bit of time. And... Uh, and you know, recovery is is important as well. But for me, for me, the whole weekend was built on a solid defence. Um, Sunday was was just you know they got off to a pretty good start. You could see that they're firing. Uh, once we responded very very well. Uh, uh, 
uh, all the weekend, uh, really, you know, top shelf. And and, and then Dwyer again, it's, the guy's just unbelievable. He's so, so impressive. But, uh, you know, two goals, in the, sorry, three goals in the second period, um, sort of, you know, knocked the stuff out of them. And, and for, for the, again, away, you tied it best he had. He, he did put off a number of really good saves, Pally, and it showed on the on the replays and what have you. And you've probably seen it better. You've obviously got a better view of it than what we did. But um, I thought Besco was outstanding this weekend. And that's exactly what we're going to need. Um, you know, missing Jim Vandermeer and bringing, as I say, Mark Garside, who made the trip on the missing Saturdays. It's, it's, it was a great response after the last couple of weeks. Um, and again, you know, with the power play, uh, one for two at the way on... on uh, on Sunday, wasn't very many penalties called, but um, over, you know, you, you can't complain if it's a six-point weekend. And, and uh, it was just really good to see. We talked about it last week, if they were capable of it, um, and they just come out and, and perform when need be. Tyler Bisker, like I said, this is the first opportunity that I've had to see the Belfast Giants live. And Tyler Bisker, apart from being a very tall man when he came out of the, the, the dressing room to come and chat to us, it's a very rare occasion when I've had to look up at somebody to do the interview. It's quite intimidating at times. <laughs> but he was, I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. And that's not just that, but I felt there was a real 60-minute buy-in, especially in defence, that they were forcing the pucks to the outside. They were given that vision to Tyler Biscarani to, to, of all the shots coming in. The, the Blaze weren't able to sort of get to the edge of the crease. There, there was a lot of clearing out going on. Maybe maybe that sort of buy-in that we hadn't seen in the weeks previous. And the other side that I found you know, mostly entertaining was the fact that the webcast was 60 seconds behind and I was able to ruin every single one of the goals, David. <laughs> No, yeah, you, there, was, there, there was a little delay, but it's, I think you're right on Besco and team defence. I think we transitioned really well with Fed. He came from from the big saves that Besco was making, and we were able to turn up ice. And we we turned a few times. We turned, you know, defence in the attack and then the goals within within. And that's that's um, we're going to feed off this season. You know, I was looking at Besco's numbers. Obviously, Joel have them in front of him there. I was looking at Besco's <laughs> numbers earlier there, and you know, and he, he's already very comparable with the the very best out there. So. You know, as he gets as he gets his time on ice underneath him as well, ably backed up. You know, when you can bring someone like Steve Murphy in and, and maintain a shutout and and a win. You know, you're on the winner there. And so, for me, Sunday was a was a was a nice little road performance. Simon talks about the special teams, first part play of the goal see on this of the season away from the SSA. So that's a nice one to get that monkey of the back away from home. Not just sure. Why that is, you know, we're very big, big numbers. We're worth thirty percent in the power play at home. We're something sixteen like percent on the road. As I say, that's our that's our first power play goal we've pulled out. So as the special teams get better, it's like, it is a game of special teams nowadays as well. You know, you have to be really hot in those. So the things look a lot. Put it like this: things look rosier this week. A week's a long time in politics, but a week, a week's a long, long time in hockey. Joe, the, we had a fight in this between Furland and Lake, and maybe that was a good trade-off because Lake had been playing really well early. Furland had been playing really well, but you you want to take the big guys out of the game. The Giants, you know, when they were penned back to 2-2, two, two, showed that character to come up and, and scored those two quick goals and just basically rounded out the game. I think it was says that said it in our, our we kind of chat during the game that it was a, a smart bit of work from Furley to take Guy Lake out of the game you know he had been troubling the Giants throughout but that fight that fight to me symbolized uh, to be honest an attitude shift that hasn't been present in, in the past couple of weeks you know that you would have by all accounts taken four points off the weekend there and you would have said look that's a start on we go and um, that's a difficult building to come into 
in a three-on-three, ending it on the road, down bodies, for Furley to step up like that and, and to fight, and as you say, that sixty-minute buy-in, um, it was it was all there for me. It, it was the it was the Belfast Giants that, that I had been hoping to see, the, the Giants that I saw flashes of in the preseason that I expected from from the start of the season. Um, the, the second period, Tyler Beskarwani utterly stood on his head. He was the story of that period, and he he is going to keep us in big big road games this season. Um. To talking about special teams and, and talking about the other bits and pieces that still need to come together, we did take a number of really poorly timed silly penalties. That would be probably my main criticism. Not that you can criticize a six-point weekend, obviously, but Jelena took that 2-10 and ten for Borden shortly after uh, the Furland fight. Um, the Curtis-Lander uh, cross-check led to their equalizer, which I think should be Nick Scordy High Hadrick. And then right at the death as well, Francis Bovillier took a cross-check, so we had to end the entire game on, on the PK. But look... If the legs are tired and the boys have just played, you know, 120 minutes of hockey before even coming into to Sunday at the Sky Dome, you can't overly complain. But there's obviously still more work and more improvement to do. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I called it last week to believe that we would take six. And, and my good agents fairly rewarded everyone who bought in and supported them over the weekend. Sunday was just outstanding. Yeah, we're going to wind, wind up the uh, the review of the games there, uh, unless maybe anything else. But uh, the highlights of those games are available on kingdomofthegiants.com from our good friends at Belfast Giants TV. Uh, before we come on to the this week's interviews come from uh, says going down to training, you, like I said last week, you can support us in what we do, and we enjoy doing what we do, but you can support us by supporting our sponsors. And our sponsor is beer52.com, the UK's number one craft beer subscription service. If uh, if you like your craft beer, if you like you know cracking open a bottle of something quite unique, Try beer52.com. I know the boxes have been coming through. A lot of the guys have been getting this month's Oktoberfest box based on a lot of really lovely German beers. And you can get that at beer52.com forward slash AVFTB. And the first box is free. Thanks to our sponsors and thanks to everybody for supporting them. Uh, right. Interviews time. We've got four of them for you. We'll start off. Well, sorry. Well, you're going to hear from Adam Keefe. You're going to hear from Paul Swindlehurst. And you're going to hear actually one of the best openings to an interview I think we've ever had on A View from the Bridge from Jonathan Boxall. But first up, here's Darcy Murphy. Joined by Darcy Murphy after practice on Tuesday morning. Um, happier looking Darcy Murphy, if you don't mind me saying. Last week you were a bit uh, annoyed with being left out on a Saturday night, but responding in the right way, coming back and picking up a few goals and obviously the hat-trick on a Saturday night. Yeah, definitely a better, better atmosphere in the locker room. You know, guys are a little more chipper and... At least that's just kind of the way it works, you know. You got a, you got ups and downs in the seasons, but uh, you can't get too high and you can't get too low. You got to stay even keel. So hopefully, we can keep this streak going. Six points uh, out of six this past weekend. Three, you know, tough games, and obviously it's about uh, preparing your body for the next game. You've got that coming up tomorrow night, uh, Guildford for the first time this season. Yeah, we know uh, Guildford's a good team. We've uh, been watching video on them and whatnot, but uh, I think if we stick to our game, where we. Uh, We'll be in good shape. See you, basketball. We'll be in good shape. So uh, I think it's more about us and playing our game and staying uh, staying with it for a full 60 minutes. You got to play with Patuara uh, at the weekend. Um, 20 points between you. Sorry for the background noise. Um, the uh, sorry, Karen Lynch. Um, the uh, 20 points out of uh, out of three games. That's uh, that's pretty good numbers. Yeah, it's, it's uh, we were all clicking. It's pretty much from. Uh, the whole lineup, everyone was going, and obviously you get to play with a guy like Patty Dwyer. You know, you just have to find the find the open ice, and he's going to hit you. So, hopefully, we can keep it going uh, tomorrow night as well. Boxy, what's the crack? Winning games. 
good answer, good answer. Um, six points out of six the past weekend. Just watching the practice there, the attitude's completely different than what it was seven days ago. Yeah, it's unbelievable. What, what, <laughs> winning games. Uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's, um, you know, you can see that there's certain guys who maybe were gripping their sticks and it wasn't for the lack of trying. Certainly we're scoring goals, but it's just good to see that those guys have put the effort in and they've kind of stuck to the system that it's uh, they're being rewarded for that. So, no, it's, it, it really is amazing how the attitude and the mentality and uh, sort of the enjoyment um, with certain guys is, is back and it's great to see that they've, you know, found their groove and they're uh, putting the puck in the net. And yourself, you put a <laughs> puck in the net on uh, Friday night. The, again, all was good, the, the chip in. Yeah, it's nice to contribute, but uh, you know, six six points is the most important thing. Um, it doesn't really matter who scores the goals, but uh, yeah, it was nice to, to put that one in, and uh, we got the win. And um, yeah, it was nice that uh, we got we got that. And uh, it's just unfortunate, that obviously, Sheds went down with that injury because I think me, him, and Hooky were were doing quite well together, found a bit of chemistry, and uh, were contributing. So hopefully, he's back soon because uh, he's sorely missed. Moving on to Wednesday night, um, big game against Guildford. They've started off the season reasonably well, and again, two games at the weekend against Dundee, um, and he's to pick up four points. What sort of challenge are you expecting from uh, the Flames? Well, they're a very, very, very good hockey team. I think they proved that last year, and they've obviously brought back a lot of their guys who I think they had a lot of guys in the top ten in scoring last year. They've got some very, very solid offensive defensemen. Um, so we just need to make sure that we you know, come in prepared and... Uh, you know they're a, they're a quick team and they've got good goaltending as well. I know they've got depth in that department, so we just need to make sure we're ready for that. And I'm sure we'll, we'll put in a good performance. Joined by Paul Swindlers after the Tuesday morning practice, lost track of things. Um, Paul, big weekend. Um, the guys have been down in dumps the last few weeks, but picking up those six points against uh, four against Milton Keynes and two against Coventry must have given the team a big boost. Yeah, we needed that. We needed the guys to start like getting the pucks and putting the back of the net. Um, it was the the chances were coming for us the past couple of weeks, but uh, you know we got Frankie here trying to put me off. Uh, the the chances were coming, we just weren't getting the puck luck to bury them. And then this weekend we stuck to our system, changed it up a little bit, went for more of a simple simple game, and it paid off for us. Get the guys uh, flying the zone, uh, getting pucks to the net, crashing the net hard, and when that happens, you get rewarded, and that's what happened this weekend. Jim Van der Meer uh, obviously missed out the weekend. Uh, was he a big hand uh, for the guys on the bench? Yeah, Jimbo's a big hand wherever he is, whether he's behind the bench or on the ice. Uh, he's always encouraging guys. He's always making guys better. If you see something on the ice, he'll point it out to you and let you know. Uh, behind the bench, uh, it was helpful. Any little things you asked, any system-wise or anything, he was there to help with Stuart and uh, Kiefer. Back to the grind tomorrow night, uh, another home game um, against Guildford Flames. They've got off their pretty good start too. Guildford are a really good team. They've got a fast, uh, small, young team that work hard and uh, I'm guessing it's a, a lot of the same as last year. They'll have some really good players that can put the puck in the net, so it'll be a challenge. Uh, but it'll be a good challenge for us, a bit of a different look to the size of team, but Guildford are not a team to be underestimated. Adam, what a difference a week makes. Um, last week you were uh, coming off the back of a two-point weekend with a doubleheader against Dundee. This week, um, six points over uh, Milton Keynes for two games and obviously with the Coventry Blaze and and uh, three and three is always tough as well. Yeah, they're never easy. Uh, obviously, especially the third game, you expect your your legs to slow down and probably make more mistakes as a result of being fatigued. And I thought we did. Uh, you know, that, I thought that it did happen to us. I thought we were looked a bit fatigued on Sunday, but uh, I thought for the majority of the game, I thought the guys were, were pretty good and. and uh, you know they, they stuck to it and, and were able to close that game out. 
only no goal scored in the third period. So I think that that's, uh, you know, that's exactly what we asked for. We asked them to go in and find a way to, to pull out uh, these ugly road wins that, that we need to do and, um, you know, learn to play on the road and learn to play with the lead. You jiggle lines around a little bit and put uh, Pat Dwyer alongside Darcy Murphy and um, David Rutherford. And, you know, 20 points in three games, obviously coming up trumps with that. Thanks, Laura. It's ruined Thank the podcast. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Laura. Welcome. <laughs> 20 points. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, we're looking for a way to spread our offense around a little bit and, and find... Uh, uh, some some secondary scoring that we were struggling to find early on, and uh, it was nice to see multiple guys get on the board um, and maybe you know let loose that stick a little bit and uh, start to feel good about themselves and um, relieve that stress ultimately. And I think uh, it was great to have those first couple games against Milton Keynes here that uh, the pucks were started going to the net for some guys. I noticed there was a big change in the practice uh, this morning from what there was seven days ago. And you'd mentioned it on Saturday night in your interview after the game about um, smiles on faces, guys, you know, enjoying themselves. And that's what been, certainly does help. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the main things that I've noticed since I've become a coach. I noticed it as a player, um, but more so as a coach. I mean, you know, you can really sense the mood around the team in the dressing room and uh, in my opinion, that's in, very important. You know, I want a, a positive dressing room and a positive mindset going into each game. And um, as a coach, if you're out there and you can kind of sense that it's uh, uh, tension or stress in the air, and uh, you know that you don't want that, and you know that players are going to go into the game, you know, fearing to make mistakes, and and obviously. Uh, playing with that the, that fear and we don't want that you know we want guys feeling good and, and laughing going into games and then feeling loose and um, you know obviously you know, a couple a weekend like last weekend helps that situation out Guilford you get your first chance to see them this season uh, when they make the trip to the SSA arena tomorrow night they kept a core group of their uh, returning squad from last season and they've added some uh, pieces as well and and they're, they're not going to be an easy task no, not at all. Um, I think they're they're a fast team that really pushes the pace, and they're aggressive, and and they get on top of pucks and and force us to to force their opponents to turn pucks over, and it's something we got to be aware of and we got to be ready for. Um, but again, you know, um, obviously we got to make our players aware of what what Guilford brings to the table with their speed, skill set, and and uh, how hard they play. Um, but I think uh, we really got to focus on on our own game and uh, doing what what made us successful this past weekend and, and try and stick to that and, and again focus on the first period and and we'll go from there. Thanks, the lads. Uh, right, quick one with regards to the player of the month. Overwhelmingly voted for. I haven't got the numbers because we're doing this on the fly. <laughs> oh, but overwhelmingly the votes went for Kyle Bond, who is the view from the bridge phone a cab. Player of the month for September. Um, I'm going for a quick yes or no and a quick comment uh, with you whether you agree with that, Simon Kitchen. Yep. Joe Neal. Yes, Patrick Dwyer is coming into his own and he will get that trophy. But for me, over the course of the first month, it's Bonner. 
David McGipsy. Are we asking the same question pretty much as last week? Because I have not changed my vote. Yo, you, voted, <laughs> you voted for Patrick Dwyer. This is the the people's vote. This is not Brexit. The people voted last week. Okay, they've got it wrong, and I think we should have another vote. Down <laughs> congratulations to congratulations to, congratulations to Kyle Bond on the on the uh, the player of the month. Right, let's quickly look around the league. I've got three main topics here. There is one that we're going to. It seems that listen the the, the one team tabloid machine. We will talk about them. Uh, we'll start off actually not talking about them. There was a bit of an incident um, with regards to Zach Fitzgerald that took place in the game between the Brayhead or the Glasgow clan and the uh, and and the Manchester Storm. Uh, Zach Fitzgerald went in. He actually got charging, I think, for it, but he went with uh, up with a backer and hit the deck out cold. I believe he maybe severed uh, something in his, in his forehead as well. Quite Davian and Savory incident, and we hope he, he, he's getting better. Yeah, I, look, it's a really, really strange one that the two of them go in, the puck's there, that they go in, they go in for the puck, and he's obviously just got hit badly, and he's, he, he looks like he's out before he hits the, hits the deck. But look, similar to Sheds, you don't want to see anyone, no matter in distress on the ice or being injured in this game. At the end of the day, much as we love this sport and we're passionate about it and we're fans and, and you know we do all this sort of stuff, we want everybody to go home at night to their families, you know, on unhurt. Um, roughed up that bit, but you don't want anybody to go home hurt. And uh, we wish Zach all the very best and a very speedy recovery. It's a, 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 Joel, have you seen the incident? I have, yeah. Um, you know, just in the same way as these strange, bizarre, incidental things can happen with Pat Dwyer, and we can all kind of have a laugh and, and laugh at the kind of funnier side and the stranger side of hockey. Unfortunately, these incidents happen. You know, it just uh, both men came together. Um, it, it was just a very jarring, violent uh, sort of uh, contact between the two. And obviously, Fitzy's gone down. I, I always say, and it's the same as uh, it was at Ross Venus got hurt for for Coventry as well this week. Um, I don't mind chirping uh, and I having a bit of fun with it and criticizing and riling people up but it's always in the context of a hockey player doing their job and once other factors come into it like personal life um you know stress mental uh, health and um, serious injury then it completely changes for me so just just to echo what, what you said it's one of those incidents where nobody's really at fault there was no uh, sort of external malice um, and as as you said just to echo it wish fitzy well and, and i hope he recovers and he's back in the lineup soon Simon. I watched the men. I was talking to Pete Russell. I was seeing the interview uh, that's coming up, and and uh, I was asking about him. And um, you know, I, the the one thing that stood out for me is how on earth does he get a two minute charging call for that? <laughs> yeah, pucks there. You know, there's right never a penalty. Absolutely, it was never a penalty. The pucks there. He's got a. The Fitzy's doing exactly what any D man is supposed to do, and he's got to play the man. So you know, it's. He's went in as he, as he always does, you know, he's full force and um and I've had a chat, I've, I've met him a couple of times and interviewed him and um after the incident with uh Spiro last year. Um he's a nice big lad. I wish him the best of luck, you know, it's it's it does it Davy's alright touched on. It's never nice to see anybody go down. Um and uh, you know, especially injured and he was down for I I personally think he was he was unconscious before he hit the ice. Um, you know, just the way his body yeah, fell, it was, yeah. it was like lifeless like. Um, but uh, wish him the best of luck. Hope he's back on the ice soon. I mean, Pete, you know, says at least two to three weeks. So, um, you know, hopefully he's uh, obviously, uh, you know, we we've had uh, Vic Silverwood on, um, you know, a few times on AVF TV. I've cut cushions and 
um, and it's 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 got to be treated right. So hopefully he's being well looked after and uh, recovers well. Absolutely. So say all of us. Um, okay, let's let's turn quickly our eyes towards that one team tabloid machine in the Sheffield Steelers. Uh, off the back of the the uh, resignation of Paul Thompson that we announced. Uh, that we announced that we spoke about. We announced it. We announced it last week. That we spoke, <laughs> Go for it. Take it. Claim it. <laughs> claim it. Oh, no. the, um, we spoke about it last week. Uh, soon after that, it was flying about Twitter and the likes, but um, Ryan Martindale, uh, who had just come in, played one, maybe two games for the Sheffield Steelers, announced that he was returning home due to personal reasons. Um, the Sheffield Steelers had to regroup and had what was basically a horrible weekend on the ice with defeats to the Glasgow clan and away to the Fife Flyers. Um, That left them bottom of the Elite League, which, of course, I know brings none of us any joy. Um, (laughs) Hey, watch it. Speak speak for yourself, man. (laughs) Uh, And then today, Tuesday, uh, they've made an announcement that they have appointed a brand new head coach coming in from the Italian league from uh, from Asiago and that is the former Stanley Cup winner or that's what was your former Stanley you're always a Stanley Cup winner Tom Barrasso is the new head coach he's 750 games in the NHL over a 22 year career where he iced for the Sabres the Penguins the Sens and the Maple Leafs uh, the Hurricanes and the Blues before he retired in 2003 he's a Vezina Trophy winner he's a Calder Cup winner as Rookie of the Year wasn't was never two time rookie of the year. There was only one man as that. Um, but he's also won titles in Italy. He's he's coached in the KHL. Joel, he's a guy with quite a bit of pedigree. Yeah, I mean, I, I it speaks for itself. I, I said it uh, earlier on today on Twitter. You know, it's a CV that absolutely speaks for itself. The pedigrees, the championships, it's level under there, and some very serious, difficult leagues in Europe. Um, my take on it is that. Uh, it's the man is there the man has uh, potentially the tools but does he have the locker room and does he have the pieces that he needs in that locker room to turn the Steelers around uh, you know nine games in with just three league wins um, that remains to be seen um, the, the man himself absolutely no doubt is, is fit for the job um, but obviously he's coming into a squad that aren't his so it's hard for him to implement his ethos for him to implement his systems the way he would specifically want them to it's the same as like whenever any of our last few coaches have come in the first season they've largely been given a team that was created by a different coach and there's always been that kind of awkward adjustment period until they get a full off scene to build so um i think the steelers need to remain uh realistic about their expectations you know uh it may well be a, a building season or they may well absolutely light it on fire um it just the, the unknown quantity for me is what he has in the locker room and david were you surprised at at the, at the signing of Barrasso, as at the pedigree that the Steph- Sheffield Steelers were, were able to bring in, despite the fact they're sitting rock bottom of the elite league. Well, interesting that um, you know where he's came from. I can't imagine this has been a cheap solution for the Sheffield Steelers. Um, you know, I'll put a wee bit of a joke with the Jaguar, but the Jack Pocock is back. You know, as as always has been the case at Sheffield. They'll spend whatever they need to spend to, to try and get themselves at the top of the standings. You know, it's, it's a funny that. Only a week ago, they were, you know, lauding how much Paul Thompson was building a, a dynasty, building from the ground up and building for the future. But you know, it's short term. Short term, they're they're having to, you know, Tony Smith's having to crack the the wall about there substantially. When we think um, Tom Brasso comes in with a a long CV and 
a big resume. And I don't know whether there's any truth. Simon was talking about you know earlier on, and he'll probably come on to the goaltending situation there. But um, you know, it's uh, it's a big statement of intent, and it is so early in the season that you know they're they're by no means out of anything at this stage. But you know, Tom Brass was going to have to come in there very quickly, stop the rot, get that get that locker room on side. You often get a little upturn when a, when a new coach comes in, so I expect the the Steelers to be a dangerous side this weekend. Since you know we, it, we're talking about a guy who's a, a Vizna Trophy winner, so when it comes to to Jackson Whistle, he knows what to do. I've heard he's going to be a uh, player coach. <laughs> Somebody mentioned that to me a day, and, and uh, you know, it's, well, you know, you, even if you're in your fifties and and uh, and. You know, it never leaves you to a certain extent. Maybe your reactions have to slow down a bit, but uh, you just never know. You know, it's never rule it out, mate. It's never rule it out. So, you know, I, I, we talked about it before. Even when, when uh, Paul Thompson was there, we, we all said the same thing. It, it's, you know, they'll turn it around. I've no doubt about that. And Davy's right. They'll fire whatever they need to fire at it to, to make it right. And if it's going to cost them a lot of gold, I've, I've no doubt about that whatsoever. And as their jobs uh, safe with everybody that there, you know, they didn't get a, um, like a beat back Glasgow on Saturday and in a way to Fife on Sunday, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So uh, another weekend with no points and long may that continue. It, it's, it's you know, it's uh, you know if they didn't win another game between now and the end of the season, it's probably going to be, you know, it's a pity they don't get relegated. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> you know, I'm reading, I'm reading the... Um... I'm reading the, the 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 press release with regards to that, and it just every time I just read it, it's like Steelers owner Tony Smith said, and then you look at another piece as the Lee Chairman Tony Smith said, you never know what hat he's wearing. Anyway, he's basically saying you know about how he loves the fact that despite achieving what he already has done, he's still hungry to come to Sheffield and lead that club. Um, it will be interesting to see if he's able to turn the fortunes around with the pieces of the puzzle that he had, as as the lads have said. Uh, they do travel to Nottingham on Saturday for a top versus bottom game, which is a nice bit of tweeting from the Nottingham Panthers this week, I have to say, handed to them, before they go back home to face the Five Flyers at the Fly DSA Arena on Wednesday. Um, I guess, you know, no matter how it turns out, we'll see it because it'll be all over your red tops come Monday. Right. Let's have a look. Let's have a look to this weekend's or this week's games because we are the game of the week on free sports against the Guildford Flames tonight. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, because this was out on Wednesday morning, of course. Um, so where do we start? Well, there's only one place to start, and we'll chat to our friend Aaron Murphy. Right, let's look ahead to the forthcoming games. We're going to start with Wednesday night, of course. This goes out on Wednesday morning, so tonight's game. Uh, and it is the free sports game of the week. Now, when, in the last couple of weeks when we've had the free sports game of the week, we've had a, a pre-recorded thing from our good friend Aaron Murphy. But when the Belfast Giants involved, we'll pull out all the stops and I'll welcome our good friend, Mr. Aaron Murphy. How are you? Hey, Patty. I'm good. How are you, buddy? I'm doing very well, very well, mate. Uh, before we get on to talk about the actual game of the week, that, you know, it's been a few weeks now. How do you feel it's going? I think it's going very well. I mean, uh, we've had, I mean, the last game was as good a game as you're going to see this season as far as the, the result and the, and the play and, and two teams going real good in Nottingham and Cardiff. So, um, I mean, I thought that was fantastic drama. Uh, what you'd want to see a physical game and, you know, right up till the end, 40 seconds remaining, uh, the Panthers get the winner. So, yeah. I mean, the game was uh, back and forth a little bit and uh, two of the better teams in the league. 
a lot of people think that the you know a lot some of the hard work would go through Nottingham and Cardiff. So I think we got a preview. Um, the first game we opened up with, I mean, you know the drill. You you kind of want to go and <laughs> be where the uh, where the banner raising is. I mean, uh, NBC does it, CBC does it. Um, so we went to where the banner raising was, and to be honest, for Milton Keynes, unfortunately for them, they were down a couple of imports, a guy with a suspension, a guy with a visa issue, I believe, which seems to be rampant for, for EIHL yeah. teams this year, uh, the visa issue. But, I mean, Milton Keynes, yeah, you gave a good account of themselves through through a little bit of that game. Well, Cardiff just too good on the night. So, I mean, look, both the first two games I think were very good. But I mean, the preview show, a couple of highlight shows in, we're we're, we're happy. There'll be tweaks. There we're always. I'm always driving the crew nuts because I want to try different things and push the envelope. And <laughs> I think sometimes when they see me coming, they go, "Oh, he's going to want to do something different or mic up somebody or do something." But I mean, look, we're trying to make it the best it can be, and so far, I think so good. You know, we you know as well as I do. You know, we've been championing the fact that a lot of most fans have been championing the fact that the sport that we love and the sport that we turn out to week in week out should be on free DR TV and should be broadcast as it is now. Have you seen that response? Have you seen that you know the, the people are responding well to it being on on TV? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and look, it's 2018. You have to be on TV somewhere, whether it's pay-per-view or free-to-air. Free-to-air obviously being a little bit more attractive to, to leagues. Um, I think we've seen an incredible social media response, uh, mostly positive. You know what social media is like, but mostly positive. And I think that people are enjoying it because that Wednesday night slot there's usually not a lot of games. Now, when we had the banner raising ceremony, that was a Sunday night, but, uh, you know, the game against, uh, in Nottingham against the, the Devils, there was only one other game that night. Uh, the game in Belfast with, with Guilford in town is just the only game of the night. So I think the other fan bases get behind it and enjoy it because they can sit back, they can kick back. I mean, not everyone, let's be honest, not everyone's going to be able to fly to Belfast to watch the game so they can kick back, open a cold one and enjoy the game. So I think the response has been good that it's a Wednesday. So there's not a lot of other games on the go. So you can, you can get stuck in as opposed to a Saturday night when you might be at the rink or the arena. So I think we've done a, we've t- ticked a lot of boxes, uh, f- for a lot of fans around the elite league. Let's talk about that game. You know, both the Belfast Giants and the Guildford Flames have just come off a, a great weekend. Guildford with back-to-back wins, home and away against it on the Stars, which is no main feat considering how you know how Omar Pasha has his team playing and the distance they had to travel. The Giants six points, as we've just talked about through the sh- through the show. It, it looks like it's going to be an intriguing battle. I mean, fourth versus fifth. Uh, you know, you guys with the you just said a three-game winning streak. Guildford with a two-game winning streak. I mean, what more could you want? Two game. Two teams coming into a battle in winning form. Guilford have shown they can win on the road. Belfast, you guys, I believe, have three wins at home. Uh, I mean, these are there's, all the signs are there that's going to be a good game. But I'm delighted that both teams are coming out on a winning streak because they'll be chomping at the bit to get at each other. Uh, I think Adam Keefe has done a wonderful job. I think uh, the recruitment's gone well there. I can't wait to see Patrick Dwyer in action. Um, Guilford, you and I have talked a little bit uh, off microphone. I'm really impressed by Paul Dixon. I'm impressed mm-hmm. with his recruitment. I'm impressed by the way he does things. I'm inc- impressed with his professionalism and his heart, and he's a gentleman. So I think it's a good coaching matchup. It's a good goaltending matchup. Uh, some of the top players from the entire league last year in, in Reddick, Dunbar. I mean, this Cali Ackard can play. They've got some really nice pieces. And then you've got Patrick Dwyer, who might be the best player, uh, new player to the league this year. So all the signs are there for, for a great game at the SSC Arena. And of course, you'll be there. You know, 
it's a it's a it's no stranger to you as a as a former commentator for the Belfast Giants TV and you know with the NCAA that you've commentated on, and of course next to you is the uh, the former. Uh, championship winning coach Paul Eddy and uh, it's a winning team for you guys especially now as well Chris Ellis on down by the ringside yeah it's great I mean I mean Paul Eddy you know you guys know Paul Eddy uh, brought you a league title in record time yeah I guess that was all right I guess that, was that was pretty fine, yeah. you know I mean I think he could you all could have went to Florida for a few weeks and, <laughs> and come back for the playoffs I mean he did such a great job that year uh, I think the last few years we've all developed a good chemistry I mean look uh, I did some work years ago uh, on ESPN with Paul Romanuk during an NHL lockout. We were doing the KHL. Mm-hmm. And we came out of a booth one night. I knew Romanuk. I didn't want to ever say it to him. Growing up, I used to watch him do the World Juniors. And here I am sitting next to him, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, oh, that's really good. He goes, you know what? Sometimes it takes a year <laughs> to get to get that back and forth with a, with a, with a guy. And he goes, oh. He goes, it must be because you're from Newfoundland, you know, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> he said, you know, we, we just hit it off and we kind of ran with it for 15 or 20 games uh, during an NHL lockout. But he's right because I've worked with other guys and sometimes you go, oh, it's just, oh, it's it's tough or whatever. Everyone's usually uh, passionate about the game. But the thing is with Paul and I, two different people, but with the same goal, doing the best show, uh, analyzing the game, uh, bringing some excitement on my behalf. So it's become a real good team. And obviously his knowledge is second to none when he analyzes breakouts and special teams. And I mean, having Chris Ellis, I mean, Chris Ellis is one of the best interviewers around, isn't he? Whether it's uh, Team GB at any level, men's, women's, under 18, senior level. Don't forget, it's not just the, the glory, the halcyon days of him doing the senior men's GB setup. He does everything and, and does it well and always did a good job around the elite league. So, so delighted that he was available. So delighted that it all came together. It's, I think it's a pretty good group. That Paul Romanek guy, where did he ever go to? Never, never met yeah. Jonathan, really. Yeah. Yeah, Where's he, he still hockeying out in Canada now? Is there, he, he, he yeah, there? well, he's not back there this year. I haven't nope. had a chance, a real good chance to talk to Paul, but he's certainly uh, the previous three seasons calling yeah. Leaf games and calling all sorts of national games. So, yeah, he, yeah. he's gone uh, on to bigger and better things, that's, I guess. That's, that's quite the CV. Um, what's your take on the league so far then? You know, early days, Aaron, you know, it's... Um, it does seem that the Cardiff do look very strong. Nottingham sit on top. Sheffield struggling and have their woes. It's a, it's an interesting season. It's it's mad, isn't it? Because you think you watch that Nottingham win over Cardiff on free sports the way they came back, and you go, oh boy, they're gonna they're gonna take flight now. That might be the, the kick. Not that they needed a kick, but that might be the kicking off point. And then they lose to Milton Keynes on the weekend. And and again, no disrespect to Milton Keynes, but with some bodies light and all that. Um, Milton Keynes go out and get a big win. So to me, it looks like anyone can beat anyone on any given night. Uh, Sheffield, I mean, there's been, you know, a slow start there and obviously some changes. The Rupert brothers and, and Paul Thompson uh, resigning probably didn't see that one coming. But I mean, look, it, it's very difficult every year, year on year. Look at the recruitment of all these teams. We talk about Guilford's recruitment. You look at the guys that the clan have brought in and the storm and I mean, everyone's trying to get better. They're trying to up the ante, including yourselves with the likes of a Patrick Dwyer with 400-plus NHL games. I mean, seven or eight years ago, if a guy had 400 NHL games, everyone would be in awe that that was happening. But now it's not that it's the norm, but it happens It happens a lot. And, and there's good players up and down the league. So it's not – you can't – whether you're Sheffield or whoever, you're not going to be the king of the castle every year. Not the way the league is developing and uh, – I mean, Nottingham, I thought that they were going to really kick on from that Devils win, but then Milton Keynes get a big win there. So, yeah, I mean, Cardiff, we have to see, right, because they've got a couple of big CHL games coming up mm-hmm. um, against the Lakers. So 
uh, see how that affects them. But they certainly, so far in the games I've done, both CHL and the, the first EIHL game, Cardiff looked really good with the additions they've made, the likes of Ben Blood, Hedden, and Longley. They all look very strong. And one last one last question because we're not to break down the fourth wall, but we're recording this on Monday because Tuesday, of course, the, is the CHL game between Cardiff and Vancouver. <laughs> you've got the AIHL game on, on Wednesday. You've got you've got SHL. You've got everything on free sports. Mate, you're a busy man. Yeah, well, well yes, yeah, sorry, we broke the fourth wall there. That's my problem. What people should know is we're both tired after doing uh, da- daddy duties here. <laughs> that, that, that is um, very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, Look, I mean, Cardiff, uh, they have their their hands full against the Lakers, but they beat them last year, right? So anything's possible. I think Cardiff are playing better now than they did at the start of the CHL. It's just the nature of, you know, better each week, better with each training session. Yeah, I can't wait to to, to call you guys and see Dwyer in action, and I can't wait to see Cruz, Reddick, and Dunbar in action for Guilford. Then we've got SHL, the Lakers, and Malmo on Thursday, and then Friday we've got Riga hosting uh, Kunlun Red Star, the KHL. So, Busy times, uh, lots of leagues to memorize and players to learn about. So it, it's a busy time. But think about that, Patrick. And Monday night as well, uh, live NHL, I think uh, San Jose at New York. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, live, prime time, free-to-air action on free sports from all of the top leagues. I mean, when I first came over to Europe uh, almost 12 years ago now, you'd be happy with a game once in a while on North American Sports Network when they had the Leafs versus yeah. the Habs or whatever yeah. now. Now we've got Premier Sports 1, Premier Sports 2, and Free Sports. And they're giving, uh, I think they're giving the respect that all those leagues deserve. And it's great for the viewer, great for, for hockey fans. And I think it's, it's indicative of where we're at with GB doing so well and all that. So absolutely fun times and busy times. But yeah, uh, honored to be a part of it. Fantastic. You know what? I forgot all about NASN. That's a, that's a blast from the past. The- yeah, that's <laughs> one of my first jobs ever uh, on this side of the pond. So. Yeah, many moons ago. The uh, as we always say, you know, the game the game is on Wednesday night at seven PM. As we always say, if you can't get down to the arena, you can tune into Free Sports and hear Aaron Murphy and uh, Paul Eddy with Chris Ellis at ringside for the game. There, Murph, thank you very much for your time, Patty. Anytime, buddy, and hopefully I uh, see you at a rink real soon. Thanks to Aaron for his time. Of course, he mentions there that the game on Wednesday, it is on television, it is on free sports, and it is against the Guildford Flames. I'm delighted to be joined once again on the podcast by Paul Dixon, the head coach of the Guildford Flames. How are you, mate? I'm very good, thank you. All good. A good weekend for you guys. Uh, I, I assume that the, the trip to Dundee is one of the longest trips in the league, but uh, to pick up four points from it, excellent. Yeah, no, uh, delighted. Delighted with a four-point weekend any time, but um, obviously... Playing Dundee on Saturday at home, um, it was kind of a really bizarre five or six minutes for ourselves. Uh, we were four one up at the end of the second period, and then all of a sudden we come out six five winners. But we, uh, I think we, we must have thought the game was won uh, at four one. We just uh, had a few laxes in the uh, third period, a couple of mistakes, and the next thing you know, you're in a one goal game and you're back to the wall. But uh, glad to get the two points Saturday, and then um, early start, uh, five o'clock start on Sunday morning, and uh, ten hour bus ride up to Dundee. And uh, it's a good game. Obviously, you know, I think Dundee's had some good results. Uh, they've been in a lot of one-goal games and overtime games themselves this year. Um, so it was uh, it was nice to come out of there with uh, two points and four points on the weekend. How do you break that sort of a trip up to sort of ensure that your guys are fresh going onto the ice? Well, it's, you can't really. I mean, because it's just such a short turnaround from the Saturday night to getting up there um, and ready to go on the Sunday. Um, the guys, like you say, I think youth 
signing the youthful team comes into it, I, I do think that is a factor. Um, certainly with our schedule this year as well, you know, we're going to be playing 60, 70 games by the looks of things. And I think with that, uh, that was something we looked at in the summer again, was trying to sign a younger team um, that can handle maybe the, them situations a little bit better than a lot of the older guys, the team full of older guys. Um, but, you know, you just obviously ride the bus, uh, make sure that you get there in good time. We try to get there two and a half hours before the face-off time. And like I say, it's the guys' preparation from getting off the bus and getting themselves warmed up and stretched out and just getting some feeling back in the legs and uh, hopefully just getting ready for face-off time. This is, of course, your your second season in the Elite League. It was a, a decent enough first season. What what lessons did you learn from that first season in the Elite League? Yeah, no, interesting uh, first season. But when we, you know, when we set out at the beginning of last year, we wanted to put a speed, uh, skill team together. Um, you know, we, we did set up with an offensive uh, mindset, and you know, I think we achieved that. Um, we had a lot of speed, and I think we played uh, an offensive game, but uh, also we didn't shy away from our defensive responsibilities. And that's my philosophy uh, as a coach. That's how I want my team set up. Um, you know, and I think through this year, uh, we've learned obviously just a little bit more depth um, you know and it was it was always going to be a little bit of trial and error last year and seen a couple of areas that we could uh, improve on I thought last year I needed maybe one or if not two bigger bodied defensemen um, but the thing is the bigger the body sometimes you, you do sacrifice a little bit of speed out of a bigger guy so my summer project this year was trying to find two guys with a little bit more speed um, a little bit more uh, strength as well but a bit more height on the back end and we managed to get a hold of Jordan Apt and uh, Corbin Baldwin um, who are two big guys play the, the North American style but didn't sacrifice too much loss of the speed style of that. Um, so that was one area we looked at and secondary scoring, um, for ourselves yeah. because our, our top line last year, as you know, uh, with Dunbar, Reddick, Waters, Craig, Akred, um, you know, there was nights we heavily relied on those. And to be honest with you, at the start of this year, we're still doing the same, but yeah. you know, the, the, the reason for going after King, obviously Ferguson, and we've got a young guy, Crooks coming out of there. And then we also signed Ritz and Jansen from, uh, a University of Denver program. Uh, one, one of the guys was in France last year, but it was just a little bit more depth to help spread that secondary scoring throughout the lineup. Um, so that was that was pretty much what we learned. Um, I, I do believe in a two-import uh, netminder system as well. I think the league set up for, for two-import netminders. I think mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe not everybody will agree, but it's just, it's just how we see it. It's how I see it. Um, I think the schedules too. I think you know when we play Saturday and Sunday, it's not like we're playing Tuesday or Friday or a Friday or a Sunday. There's no recovery time. Um, and like you say, with the two important netminders, the beauty is, well, this weekend, for instance, you play one guy on a Saturday, he can stay home on the Sunday and rest for the Belfast game on the Wednesday, then the other guy has to go up to Dundee and sit for 20 hours on the bus and play. So that's yeah. the, the benefit, we believe, um, in having that uh, situation with our netminders. Um, so, yeah, a lot of, lot of learning curves. And, I'm, you know, I'm still learning now at the start of this year. I think you're always still looking at things and where you can improve. But that was the main things was just maybe a little bit of size on the back end and just a bit more secondary scoring uh, what we looked at and I think probably every team would probably say that's what we all look at I would imagine it's funny. I was, the next question I had was was the fact that um, the John Dunbar, Waters, Reddick, Ackerd, they they seem to have just picked up where they left off last season. That must be that must be really easy. Well, I say really easy for you. I don't want to I don't want to dull down your uh, dull down your, your your role here, Paul. But you know when you've got guys like that who showed their scoring prowess last season, that step back onto the ice this season and just continue on where they left off. It must be a real weight off your shoulders. 
No, it is. It is. And I think, you know, I think if you were, if you were to ask any coach and, you know, every team have got four, five, six guys that maybe you, you call them next level players. Um, and, you know, I think coaches, when you get guys like that, I, I have the luxury. I work with these guys every day, um, you know, and I, and I see how good these guys are. Um, and I, I have that pleasure. And, you know, I wasn't worried, you know, because you always think, oh, can they do that? Can they, can they come back in and do that? But these guys, they do everything the right way that's going to allow them to do that and yes there might be a little bit of a drop off um, which is only natural you know we're, we're all human beings you're not going to you're not going to be able to play your, your best your A game every single night but they do the right things in training they do the right things off the ice they look after themselves they're true professionals and you know they just approach it the right way and I think if you've got that mindset and you know yeah you might have a bad day here or there but uh, you know these guys want to win they want to they want to be better they want to get better every day and you know that's a real credit to those guys And but it also pushes other guys on the team along as well um, because you know they get to train with these mm -hmm. guys and these guys push them along and it, it just has that knock-on effect the other side of it being of course that you're trying to balance up guys ice time one of the guys who's who's moved on uh from the guildford flames in the last couple of weeks is kevin phillips who made the decision to go back up the hole and and join the pirates you know it, <clears throat> is it difficult when, I, when a guy comes to you and says listen i'm looking more ice time otherwise i'm gonna have to go yeah, it's a real, obviously it's a real shame. Kevin's been with me for a few years, um, you know, and you know, let's not forget he's a he's a he's a natural British player as well. Um, he's played in the league for a long time, and it was sad sad to see him go. Um, but unfortunately, Kevin and I spoke in the off season. We spoke just uh, when we started the season, and you know, as we did go a little bit deeper with the team this year, Kevin was kind of dropped to that seventh defenseman position in our roster, um, which we spoke about it, and Kevin was all right, and he just wanted to see how it would start and go. But there was a few weekends there where he sat and, you know, he got one shift, maybe a game. And then the next game, he didn't play at all. And, and we were just open. And, you know, he told me he had a little bit of interest in a few EPL uh, teams. And I think, uh, Premier League teams, sorry, I think he, uh, he had some interest. And he just came and, you know, they, uh, we, 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 it was just mutual. And he said, uh, I just want to play. And, you know, I can't, I, I agree with him. He's not, he's not 21 or 22 where he can have that little bit of time trying to break into the team and just holding out to see if we can get a nice time and develop he's, he's 31 year old um and he just wants to he wants to play hockey on a weekend and he just felt it was time that he uh he moved back to Hull and uh started he can get a job off the ice as well and, and obviously go back into that semi-professional position in Hull and where he works and then he plays hockey on weekends as well so financially he's going to be better off in that situation as well but like I said sad to see him go because he would have played you know it's a, it's a body and we all know in this league you, you, you need a deep team there's injuries coming uh, all year long so from that side um you know we're sad to see him go but totally respect Kevin's uh, views on that and uh, like I said it, it was he, he did it very he handled the whole situation very well and it's it's nice when you get a guy like Kevin who's very level-headed and he sees it for what it is there's no animosity there there's no oh well you know the club turn around and, and it was handled the correct way and you shake hands mm -hmm. and you move on unfortunately but sad to see him go sad to see him go Two other players I want to just ask you about as well, because one of the big things, especially when you're when you're trying to put these sides together, and I think maybe it's something the likes of the Sheffield Steelers have fallen foul of, of you know, not bringing in players that maybe have elite league experience and the style of this league. You went after two guys in Eric Lindhagen and Kevin King from Nottingham and, and MK respectively with that experience in, in the elite league. How valuable is that? It's everything. I think, I mean, even just your whole recruiting process and, you know, it, it's a very, for, for, for all the coaches anyway, it's a very hard process um, because you've, in, 
I, I'm sure every fan, every coach, every player throughout the years that, that this has been going on is, you know, sometimes you can look at a player, look at his resume on Elite Prospects or Hockey Database, wherever, and this guy can have a an all singing, all dancing career. He's got points this league and that league, and then you think, well, you don't do enough homework on the guy, or you do do enough homework on the guy. And you think, you know what? He looks good. Let's bring him in. And then all of a sudden, he just doesn't produce. And sometimes there's no there's no answer for that. Sometimes we just don't, it just, he doesn't suit the environment. He's not happy maybe in the, where he is. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of factors why sometimes you sign guys and it just doesn't happen for them at certain clubs. Um, and you touched on Sheffield then, like you say, I mean, Sheffield on paper, and I know they changed, what was it, 14, 13, 14 players yeah. this year. And, you know, when you do that, you, you do have to give players time. You have to give them a little bit of time. But on paper, you know, the, the Sheffield, Tom O'Toole is a good friend of mine. He signed some really good players, really good players. But for some reason, it just hasn't gelled. But like you say, it's just maybe it's a time aspect. But, you know, unfortunately, you're not given time sometimes. And I think that's it. Uh, I think it's a very, it is a very hard process. And then, you know, sometimes maybe there is an element of luck there where you, you take a chance on a guy and you end up signing him and all of a sudden he becomes your best player that you don't expect. It just, mm-hmm. it's just, it's how it works. It, it, it happens in every sport. In every sport, you get uh, hidden gems sometimes that just come from nowhere and then all of a sudden, but then you maybe get the big superstars sometimes who on paper look as though they're going to come in and do this and it just, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen, but uh, it is, it's a very tough process, the recruitment side, but I think it is a valuable, certainly if the guys have good credentials from the, yeah. uh, the league they've played in as well and obviously, Eric uh, Lindhagen, he fits into what we what we are, what our philosophy is. You know, he can skate. Uh, he can skate very well. Um, he's very fast. He handles the puck very well. You can play him on the wing. You can play him in defence. But the, the one thing that um, impressed me, and I, I was watching Eric for the last couple of years, actually, so when I was following before we came into the league, is just where he, he was a standout player, not in a productive way, but just when he was on the ice, he's skating and how he adapted to certain players and how he opened himself up for movement he stood out on the Nottingham team by anybody else and the guys like that it's like, what? like that's that's what we want we want guys who can skate and who can get around the ice so Eric fit into the bill perfectly uh, with Kevin obviously I got to see Kevin a lot because he was in our conference last year um, he was uh, Milton Keynes captain Obviously, so you've got leadership quality there. Mm-hmm. He himself came through the University of Calgary, which is a league, obviously, I follow very closely. I got my guys from that CIS league. Um, so I knew what, what kind of guy we were getting. I knew what kind of player we were getting. And Kevin had a great year in Milton Keynes. And he was one of the guys that I brought into, uh, like I say, lighten, lighten that secondary score and uh, roll up for us. And, uh, you know, but Kevin, again, he's just, he's just taking a little bit of a time to adapt to a new environment. But he's a great player. He works hard every night and uh, he'll get his score in touch but right now it's just it's not there for him at the minute but that'll come that'll come before we move on to talk about uh, about the midweek game you mentioned his name there and Paul Thompson you know you you guys uh, defeated the Sheffield Steelers just a couple of weeks ago and you know you're a former Sheffield Steelers player yourself Paul you know you know what it's like in that in that pressure cooker environment what were your what were your thoughts and opinions on on what happened to Paul it's a, diff- it's, it's a very difficult one. And like you say, it's just, you know, the, the Sheffield, the, the club and the, their expectations. Uh, it's a huge club. They win trophies now on every year. And I think what comes with that is, is that expectation. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's just unfortunate. The way that it works is, you know, the guy at the top, he has to, he has to carry the can. And, you know, I think, uh, Tom made some very public statements about the team not performing to what his expectations were. And, you know, I think he was trying to motivate 
guys to trying to mm-hmm. get them to go. Um, and I just, obviously, for one reason or another, it just didn't happen. But again, it's another one of those where, yeah, they have a few bad results and then it, it just, it, it just starts to snowball. And then obviously, you know, there's a few maybe negative comments on the Twitter about some of the players and the tw- then the players read that and then they think everyone's against them and then it doesn't help the players because now they're nervous and then they can't play. And like, like I say, it's, it is pressure pressure you can be the best player in the world but as soon as you start feeling that pressure sometimes you just tighten up and then you start to do things that are out of your character and then nothing happens for you um but yeah sad for tomo i I obviously you know i think he should have been given a little bit more time but i kind of think you know when you read the statements um what paul was saying is he just he just had enough of that constant environment that uh that we're in sometimes with the social media and different stuff and you know even if you're not on there it does filter through to you um, and you know the coach's job is very true. You know, you have you have a lot of sleepless nights in this job. Even when things are going well, you, it's a twenty four seven job. Your brain just doesn't it doesn't switch off. You're constantly looking to improve your team. You're constantly trying to get better. You you know you're putting fires out on a daily basis with your players. You're having meetings with players. There's there's lots of stuff going on. And like you say, it's it's a high pressure job. Um, and sometimes you do you do lie in bed at night thinking, you know, when you do see that negative side of it, do I really need this? And I think Tomo got to that point where I think he realised there was more to it than that, which is which is a shame because if you look, you know, he's the most successful coach we've ever had um, here in the UK as a British coach, and uh, he's a great coach. And I'm sure, and uh, he'll go on and do something else and be successful again. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, let's look ahead to Wednesday. Uh, of course, you're making your first trip over to the SSE Arena, and it's going to be live on Free Sports. How are you preparing for the game? Yeah, um, obviously we just uh, we got back from Dundee this morning, so rest day, rest day today. Um, we got uh, ice session uh, tomorrow. We'll watch some video on uh, Belfast tomorrow, just a quick five minutes, see what they've been up to the last few games. Obviously, we've been following their results now as we've come up to play them. But uh, yeah, and then fly across to Belfast on um, Wednesday morning and get ready for the game. Fantastic. Well, listen, we'll leave you to your preparation. Thanks very much for your time and uh, and uh, safe travels over to Belfast. No problem. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks to Paul Dixon from the Guildford Flames. Really appreciate his time. Now, uh, it's moving on to Saturday, and we have Peter Russell on the line, the head coach of the Br- uh, sorry, the Glasgow clan. Uh, Peter, I'm still getting used to, to changing it to the Glasgow clan from your uh, your home in Brayhead. Uh, how are you settling in up in Scotland again? No, it's great. No, it's, it's a great place to come to work, and uh, you know, it's been a, it's great to play a home game last Friday night and experience the fans. So, yeah, it's all good so far. You grew up not too far away in air, um, so it's basically a home uh, homecoming for you, would it be? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been away a long time in England, and, and obviously my wife and daughter are still in it, still in England. Um, but uh, you know, it's an opportunity that I felt I had to take, so it's uh, it's pretty enjoying it right now and embracing every day, really, to be honest. Settling in, um, you know, it's it's we're moving into a new place, where even though it is Glasgow, but you've made a lot of changes, not just the, the coaching side of things, uh, a lot of changes on the playing side. How's things coming along for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, mean, I think we're just under fifty percent in the league, and obviously, uh, as everybody knows, we played uh, every game in the road. Um, I think everybody knows how hard it is to get points in the road, Simon. You know this. Um, so you know, if we can be hot at home and we'd be in a decent position right now for 
a new team that's just been put together and, you know, and new coach and uh, new beginnings and a new name, really, to be honest as well. You know, you just touched on there, you're just under 50% um, percent in, the, in the league itself. It's, I mean, this league this year is so, so tough. Obviously, with Edinburgh dropping out, um, you know, it, it, we've noticed that we get off to a pretty bad start in Belfast here. Um, lost uh, four of our first five games. And, um, you know, we've noticed that there's definitely a, a standard which has stepped up again this year. Yeah, I think the teams are, you know, the top teams get stronger and the teams that are next in the pack are trying to catch them and trying to be stronger. So uh, I think it goes with it goes with the game that it's going to be a stronger league and I think in any night, if you're not there, you're going to get in trouble. And I think, um, you know, we've experienced a couple of nights like that already in Cardiff and then obviously in Sunday night in Manchester, I think didn't go away either and uh, it happens. If you don't come it's to some... play, you're going to get given it to you and that's the end of it. No, absolutely. But it was a tough weekend for you. You know, it's, you had five Sheffield, five at home, which is your first home game of the season. Sheffield away and Manchester away. That's a tough enough schedule, uh, especially being three and three. Yes, <laughs> three and three is not easy at any time. Um, I think Fife a really good team this year. We're really pleased with that performance. I thought we were solid. Um, uh, I thought we played a really solid game on Saturday as well. Um, Sunday probably not just as solid and if you don't play solid against Manchester and in the in their rank then they got offensively gifted guys that'll take advantage of you. Everything happens so fast in there. And we got bummed a little bit, you know, and uh, they yeah. on the night I think they were the better team, to be perfectly honest with you. You talk about um everything happening so quickly, there's an incident um with uh, your captain, Zach Fitzgerald. Uh, I've seen the clip of it, it does look nasty. How's he getting on? Yeah, he's got a nasty cut and he's got a sore head, so um, you know he's feeling he's feeling better. And but we just have to let him sit and see what he is, and maybe seven to fourteen days. I don't know. You can't really tell how quick, but I'm pretty sure they won't be playing this weekend. That's for sure. All right, we'll, we'll give you that. He is a warrior. You know, he spent obviously a lot of, of uh, time in the penalty box in Belfast, and, and um, he's, he's definitely a player we always look out for in Chance TV. Um, moving into this weekend, uh, Belfast Chance are second. Chance to see them this year. Um, you know, you, it was a real barnstormer the first time you came over to Belfast there a few weeks ago. Get off to a great start, and then the Giants uh, literally woke up and, and came back and ended up getting the win. What are you expecting this Saturday? Well, I think Belfast is a pretty good team. I mean, I think they've got some good, really good players through the depth. Um, I think we have to be ready, and we got to try and. You know, make sure we compete levels are high and make sure we push the pace and don't let them push the pace. Um, and see what it takes us. I think we have to, you know, we, we started pretty good in there the last time. Um, you know, and we had a good first period, they had a good second period, and then I thought it was quite a even game in the end. You know, in the last period, I thought it was, could have went any way with 10 minutes to go, but obviously it never. And, uh, you know, it was a tough one to take if we'd just been a bit more solider and compact at times but uh, Belfast is a good team you know and they're a big club as, as you know better than anybody and uh, you know it'd be nice to get one up Keitha you know I'd enjoy that just for a bit of gentle banter each day I'd text them after it and remind them until the next time yeah obviously you know you get on really well together and then you've spent the time away at the at uh, the GB camps and, and obviously the the um, uh, World Championships can I ask you about how you're progressing um, are you getting ready for the World Championships again this year? Because, I mean, this is obviously the pinnacle of, of any coach's um, career representing and coaching their country. 
um, and taking them to the highest level um, in uh, world hockey. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's kind of surreal a little bit still. You know, you see uh, Great Britain's name in there with those teams, and you kind of pinch yourself a little bit. Um, I think the hardest working person right now is Andy Boxton. Um, I'm supposed to email him actually, and I've not done it yet. You just reminded me of that. Um, and he's he's got a lot of work to organise things and organise games, and that stuff's all coming together. And I guess at the end of this week, we'll put a, a, a long list together, a lot longer, um, and then we'll start really looking at people. But you've got to give people a chance to get into the season as well and get them going a little bit. Um, I know there's a lot of people who'd like to be in that team. It's a uh, you know it's it's a huge opportunity, and you know and I think everybody is you know really proud to be involved in it. And I think uh, it's going to be an amazing experience. It's going to be a hard experience. You know, not, not, no one's stupid to think it won't be, but uh, what an opportunity to go and experience that and see what happens. I know I've known you for a long, long time. Um, you know, you used to stay in your house when the St Andrews was full every weekend, and and uh, we were over the Casarine nights or whatever, you know, all the teams that we travelled over with. Did you ever envisage yourself getting to where you are with regards to uh, Team GB especially and, you know, a young lad from our playing in, in Lemelkin Road? Um, I don't know how it, how it even came into coaching, to be honest with you. Um, it was never something I even thought about. And uh, it was probably... I think it was that to Paul Heavey and Jamie Longmuir, the Scottish Eagles that year, and I only kind of thought I should start coaching a little kids a little bit, and I started doing that, and it just kind of rolled from there. And yeah, it's, I, I, I don't really know how it's happened. Um, you know, I enjoy it still, and I'm passionate about it, and um, I try to get better every year. I try to be a better person, a better version of me as much as I can, and and I try and be the best I can be for my players and. You know, as you get older, you try and get more balanced, and, and every experience has made me a little bit stronger. I think, um, but I, I really don't know where it's came from. I think if anybody knew when I was younger, they would not have thought for one minute I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. Um, but <laughs> I didn't want to know, say that, man. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, and, but but every day, like I, I enjoy going to work. You know, and uh, I think people are blessed to get to do that. You know, um, very lucky to get paid to do something we love and you know and have fun every day and you know and get the buzz of games you know going to big rinks and here as well coming here to coach and Friday night was a sellout and I was just thinking this is this is awesome you know like, this is something that you know how can you not get up for that and it's the same as you know going to Sheffield and Saturday and things like that and you know seven and a half thousand people and you pull a result out there like you know like, you know GB like uh, that's just been a whirlwind, you know, coaching the younger teams all the way through and then to there. It was never really a, that I'd ever thought, ever thought it would happen. It just kind of happened and probably, you know, and I took the chance and I'm lucky I got some great other coaches that work with me as well and we all work well together. And I think uh, relationship wise to have so many players in that one team that came through the system with, I think that definitely helped me. And, uh, and I think it's just it was it's just it's an amazing it's an amazing time right now. You know, it's something that I'm sure when I'm older I look back on more. I'm just it's, it's so quick that everything just keeps rolling on and you don't get a chance to enjoy it sometimes. Well, I, I think you're doing a great job, mate. As I say, I've known you for nearly nearly on thirty years, and I know you're obviously the best I can coach in the in the elite league. Keeper, I'll argue the point with you. 
But uh, I don't think it wouldn't go out without giving your uh, your next sponsors who's in your shirt the other night, Nexus Glasgow. Um, a bit of a shout out there. It's a new thing in the Elite League. Yeah, they've been great. They gave me a lovely car. Um, the new one I got is even nicer just now. Yeah, Lexus are awesome. Uh, people keep commenting on the shots, actually. Uh, people yeah. say it's kind of cool. And, you know, the guys at the club, uh, Jerry and Garris, have done a great job getting a lot of deals going. And, you know, and, and I think things like that only help the club get stronger. And it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. It, I got three nice shots as well, so I was kind of happy, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you the best of luck. Obviously not on Saturday against Belfast, but I wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. Mate. And we always Thank appreciate you coming on the ABF TV. Anything. Thanks very much. See you, Simon. Thanks to Pete Russell, Paul Dixon and Aaron Murphy. That's those games previewed. And just one more to look at. That takes place on Sunday at the SSE Arena face-off 4 o'clock. It is the final home game for the Belfast Giants for, for October. Um, and the last one until the Continental Cup takes place in a month's time. It is against the Nottingham Panthers. Um, just briefly, lads. Uh, well, Simon, you know, it's, you, you've, you've a night off on Wednesday. Uh, you're back in on Sunday for the game against Nottingham and then you've got a month off. But the Nottingham Panthers came in the last time and, you know, done a job on us. The Giants, if they're to show that this turnaround really is happening, have to do the business against the Panthers on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's no point in getting out, um, getting the confidence going and then turn up with a performance like we did the last time against the Nottingham Panthers. That's not acceptable. Um, you know, Adam, as I, he'll be telling the guys that, you know, they've got a point to prove after, uh, Dun- or, sorry, Manchester, Nottingham, uh, came in and, and took that, wasn't it a five goal lead? Yep. Um, it, uh, it, it's, it's not, at that performance, was not good enough. Okay, they got three goals late in the game. Um, but by that stage, it was already over and Nottingham had sort of took their foot off the pedal. So I would say that Adam will be instilling in them. Yes, they've got to do Saturday night, first of all, and we try not to get ahead of ourselves. But uh, Sunday's game, um, I, I expect a, 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 a performance where guys will be going, right, well, you know what, you're not coming into our barn and doing that again. David, the other aspect of it being the last home game for you know, until the Continental Cup on the 15th of November. We're hoping that they are, we want the, the Giants to put on a performance that, that leaves the, the fans wanting more. Absolutely. And they'll want to right a few wrongs from that last game. You know, you know the, the, against the Panthers, we actually came out pretty okay. First 20 minutes was a real slugfest. Two real good teams going against each other. And just, you know, like middle period, we shit the bed big time. And, you know, what, we, we, shit the, we shit the bed, Simon. Um, and uh, we just we just let we dug ourselves too big a hole. We couldn't come back from it. You know, we we conceded those goals, bang, 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 really, really quick succession. And um, yeah, I think the, the the goals we got towards the end of the game. Okay, you take the pauses. We won the last period, no, but Panthers by that stage had, had kind of half checked out of the game. But um, we'll want to write that wrong. And uh, you know, there, there's the series against these teams over the season that you want to win. So it's very important that we get our get our, ourselves on the board against the Panthers. Joel, you made the point last week about the turnaround and the fact that if we did get six points, it, just, it rocketed us up the league. That's exactly what did happen. But it's now time for the Giants to consolidate that position. Yeah, look, the, this past weekend was uh, a, a way back from the slump that we were in. This weekend coming has to be a statement of intent. If you look at that table, you know, we, we have doubt, it, it looks a, lot, a whole lot better, but there's not a whole lot of distance between the top, the top and the bottom. Um, we are... 
three point sorry three games adrift of Nottingham in the table right now and six points behind. So uh, and no disrespect to the five Flyers, but Cardiff are the team to beat at the moment with six games played and 10 points on the board. Um, we need to make that statement that we are going to be the primary chasers of the league champions and it starts this weekend. Um, it, it's probably the final nail in the coffin of the kind of few weeks that we've had. It has to be a statement of the way this team is going to be, the mentality this team is going to have, and just the toughness that we're going to play with from here on forward. Um, it's it's a vital game. The game's Wednesday night, Guildford Flames, free sports. If you can't get down to the rink, free sports with Aaron Murphy, Paul Eddie and Chris Ellis. On Saturday, uh, away to the Glasgow clan, face-off 7pm over over in the Brayhead Arena. Actually, it's not the Glasgow Arena, the Brayhead Arena, the Glasgow clan. Um, that's on Saturday. Keep an eye on ABFTV. We'll see if there, what, what updates and where we can point you in the information. And then back to sun, back in the SSE Arena on Sunday against the Nottingham Panthers face-off at 4pm. Get down to that. I know that SIS is going to be doing it on Belfast Giants TV, but this is the last home game until the 15th of November. So if you want to see some hockey, you get down to the SSE Arena on Sunday and you go see some hockey. Because unless you're going to Milton Keynes, Guildford, Manchester, Nottingham, Fife, Glasgow, Dundee, Nottingham or Cardiff, before the Continental Cup, you're not seeing nothing that isn't on on a webcast. So get yourselves down to the SSA Arena on Sunday, 4 p.m. for that game. And if you can't, says it's there with, with Belfast Jazz TV, which is great as well. That's what me and Davey have to watch. Um, have to watch. <laughs> it's true, isn't it, Davey? Choose to. I, I watch it with a sign down, to be fair, these days. <laughs> uh, any, any other business, boys? Yep. Go for it. Congratulations to Mark Garcia. Um, I'm here, 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 here. Um, I was talking to him this morning. He's looking a bit tired. Um, yeah. uh, and said, baby, and am I doing great? So, um, second baby for Mr. Garcia, the ice hockey player. And, uh, um, best of luck. Yeah. I just spoke to, uh, we obviously did that interview post game after the, the Coventry game. Uh, with, with Gary, I spoke to him about him and Becky and Luke who's come into the world. It was fantastic. Uh, and massive congratulations to him and, and fair play for, uh, for basically leaving his, leaving, uh, leaving his, uh, new son and, uh, and, and his wife and his partner and, and, uh, disappearing off to play an ice hockey game. It's, uh, an interesting approach, but no, yeah, congratulations. <laughs> uh, anybody else? I do. Uh, Joel, have you an anger? Yes, mate, but you go on ahead. You pull rank there. Um, well, I'm not going to put rank, but I, I will say that tomorrow night, or tonight as it is, as you say, this goes out on Wednesday, a streak is being broken. That yes, is, a, that is quite, a quite phenomenal and remarkable streak. A streak that has lasted some 579 mm-hmm. home games. Remarkable. There's a man has been in every, from water boy to stick boy to, what does he do now? Commercial manager? Commercial mm-hmm. manager, the commercial manager of the of the Belfast Giants, led up at the minute after a, a little bit of personal stuff he had to attend to. Um, Five hundred and seventy nine games, never missed a Giants home game. This is the first Belfast Giants home game. I think second of December two thousand. Would that be right? Yep, that is correct. Open a night against the the our Scottish Eagles right until the game against Milton Keynes. Hasn't missed a minute of, of action for the Belfast Giants in a home game. So quite remarkable. We wish him all the very best. Get well soon. Get back to work soon. We miss you. Um, so Mark Brooks, all the very best. And congratulations on what was an incredible, incredible run. 
unbelievable, an unbelievable streak. And and we thought we were having a we'll, we'll, we'll I broke the fourth wall in the interviews there with we was talking to the Aaron Murphy, but I'll do it again. We um you know we, we, me and David had a bit of a chat with Brooksy earlier on. He said that with regards to the Patrick Dwyer stuff, he was still in his uh, you know tending to his personal stuff and uh, but still getting photographs, sorry photographs, phone calls from. ESPN, from TSN, from NBC. You know, it does, doesn't stop working for the chance. We wish him well. And I get well soon, mate. And I hope everything's well. And uh, yeah, Joe. Yeah, just second that with Brooksy. Yeah, it says everything about him that, you know, he's, he's not too well right now. He's getting some stuff sorted out and that he spent the last two days when he should be chilling out dealing with uh, worldwide press for Patrick Dwyer. That just mm-hmm. says everything that you need to know about mm-hmm. Brooksy and about the entire Giants organization in general in terms of the work ethic. Just finally, the, the official supporters club have advertised today the evening with the coaches on the 15th of October at the Odyssey Cinema. Just that that's a really cool event um, in terms of getting that kind of access, being able to directly speak to the coaches and the guys and find out what you want to know here straight from them uh, how the season's going so far and where they want it to go so check the osc twitter talk to says talk to whoever and, and make sure and get along to that osc do a great job in and offering that kind of next level of access to fans in, in this league and, and long may continue couldn't agree more um right on that note boys unless there's anything else we'll wrap things up um as i said the games this weekend or this week wednesday night Guildford Flames, 7.30pm face-off at the SSE Arena. Away to the Glasgow clan in the Challenge Cup. Saturday, 7pm face-off. And on Sunday at home, the last home game for a month. Nottingham Panthers, 4pm face-off on Sunday at the SSE. Get yourself down there or or tune in to this season. Probably Jeffrey Mason. Jeff Mason's way back to North America for another wedding. His sister's getting married, I think it's this weekend, so... I'll have um I might even have a word with Colin Shields to see if he can do it on Sunday. He was good crack last year. Yeah, fair play. Um Thanks to everybody for coming on the show. We had Darcy Murphy, we had Jonathan Boxel, Paul Swindlehurst, Adam Keefe, Aaron Murphy, Paul Dixon, Pete Russell. Um Thanks to everybody for your uh, interaction on Twitter and Facebook and everything through the week at AVFTB on Twitter at KOTG for all of our, our, our interviews and our, our game reports and you get all the uh, all the highlights on there kingdomofthegiants.com uh, soundcloud.com for slash AVFTV for all the post-game interviews and if you want to send some stuff through podcast at kingdomofthegiants.com thank you to David, Joel and Simon cheers buddy thank you and I'll give it another apology at the end for the the uh, the quality of the recording isn't up to our normal standards, but uh, considering that it's been it's my own it's my own fault for uh, for being away with work. But you know, no, Paddy, no, no, we all we, look we all pass our aren't pass on our sportive regards. <laughs> <laughs> sportive regards to the one and all. And uh, wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy your hockey. We'll catch you here next time on a view from the bridge. Podcast Network.